just have to just stick to the other teaching from, and then we'll come to God to pray just once more. But turn with me back in your Bibles to verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that we read before. Uh, verse 17, it says, Oh, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you um, open hearts and open hands because we've come to receive. Lord, we, we, we have nothing to give. We, we have nothing to offer. Uh, we, are, we are the needy. We are the ones who need instruction and we are the ones who need, who need help. Uh, be pleased to teach us, oh God. Be pleased to open the ancient words that we just sang and, and have it be imparted upon our hearts so that we can be taught, we can be uplifted, we can be built up in our most holy faith and Lord, we can be all the more molded more into your precious and wonderful image. Help us, Lord, we pray even this hour. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So the title of our sermon today is um, Your God-Given Assignments. Um, and essentially what I wanted to, want us to do is kind of really kind of, I guess, focus on, yeah, what is our God-given assignment? What is the purpose of our, of our, of our lives? You know, why am I here? You know, that age-old question, what's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of, of everything that I'm doing? Um, am I supposed to be even doing what I'm doing right now? You know, it's, it's all well and good asking about the, the, why the purpose of life, but if I'm already doing the wrong thing, then clearly I'm already wrong straight out of the bat, so, so to speak. How do I know that I'm on the right path? How do I know I'm in the right place? How do I know I'm doing what God actually wants me to be doing with my life? Obviously, your life is a gift. Everyone, I'm, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't think we, we treat ourselves, you know, frivolously or anything like that. We understand the preciousness of, of, of life as a gift from God, and as precious as it is, and as as, as as wonderful as it is, as it is that we have life from God. God has also given us an assignment. Okay, we, our lives are are a gift. We're we're lucky to have it. We're blessed to have it. I should say, but our lives, as precious as it is, is also an assignment. We have something to be doing with our lives. No one just lives with no purpose. No one just lives to the ether, as, as it were. You have something. You have a purpose. You're supposed to be doing something with your life. The Bible tells us we'll, we'll, we'll die and give account of our, of our lives. Our works will be tried through the fire. But how can you do all of that if there was no purpose to begin with? There is something that you're supposed to be doing with your life. And Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And before we get to verse 17, uh, where you know, we'll, we'll kind of really understand what our, our God-given assignment is, I want to kind of explain the context. Um, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church are, for, for those of us who know our, know our Bibles, riddled with issues. They've got several issues, and Paul, in chapter 17, has picked up this particular issue that they have around marriage, around marriage. Some people believe that now that we've become Christians, we need to bin marriage. You know, we need to, we need to be a people who are solely devoted to God. Okay, marriage is a distraction. Marriage is for those who are not serious. Focus on God. So if you're married, it's time to get unmarried. It's time to get a divorce. And celibacy is the best way to, to serve God. Celibacy is the best way to go. But then on the other hand, you have people saying, no, 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 no. Marriage is the best way to do things. If you want to serve God, you need to do it as a married man or, or as a married woman. You know, God has, has called us to... to to uh, uh, multiply and replenish the earth. If you don't do that, then you're disobeying God straight away because how are we going to add to his kingdom? How are we going to, uh, we're cutting off the prosperity of God, so to speak. And so you have this conflict. 
some people are saying, well, now that we're Christians, our purpose is to be celibate, or, or now, that we're not, now that we're Christians, our purpose is to be, no, our purpose is to be married. And so Paul is writing now to basically set the record straight. Okay, he's writing to basically get them out of their confusion. And his correction is simple. It doesn't, it, he's not really coming to, you know, give us much gymnastics to do anything like that. He says, listen, stop worrying about whether you're unmarried or unmarried or, you know, what you need to be doing in your particular station and all that kind of stuff. He says, when people come to faith in Jesus Christ, they're not merely to be concerned about changing their vocation or their outward setting or their outward situation. He says in verse 17, if your vocation is lawful, basically, if what you're doing is right, then remain there and serve Christ there. Okay? His principle is simple, and his principle is this. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. So if you came to Jesus Christ and you were married, stay as a married person and serve Jesus Christ there as a married person. If you came to Jesus Christ and you were single, come serve Jesus Christ as a single man, as a single woman, and stay there. Don't overly concern yourself with trying to change your outward, your outward situation, your outward station. The Christian work is inward. The Christian work is inward. Don't overly concern yourself about trying to revolutionize your, 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 your society or your, your, your neighborhood or your circles. Don't try and become the, the, the new thing on, on, on the block so to change everything. Everything changes on my, on my account now that I'm a Christian. The Christian work is not about revolution. It's about reformation. It's about restoration. That's what Paul is basically trying to put forward as our restoration, as our, as our principle. Whatever your station is in life, wherever you find yourself, as long as you're not currently walking in sin, serve God there, it's fine. Just stay where you are and serve God there. Wherever Christianity has found you, be prepared to serve him faithfully from that particular station. The basic rule of the Christian life is basically this. Belonging to Jesus Christ now governs your entire life. It's not Jesus Christ that, no, I've got this sub-agenda of my life that I need to accomplish. Jesus Christ just governs all of it. He's encouraging us that Jesus Christ has become our priority. Married or unmarried, Jesus Christ is still your priority. Our entire lives are now subject to him. We don't follow cultures or traditions or anything like that. We follow Jesus Christ. That's our God-given assignment, to follow and serve Jesus Christ. And we'll come back to our divine calling and you know, we'll, 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 we'll look at verse 17 in a lot more detail where obviously he says that. Um, but what I want us to do is just to kind of provide a bit of um, context to, to, to why we should think like that, to why we should basically think, it doesn't matter what situation I'm in, it doesn't matter what station I'm in in life, I can serve God contently from here. And there's one particular truth, there's one particular theology that we should really become comfortable with that would allow us the, the space to breathe you know, easily, if you get what I'm trying to say. If we understand this particular doctrine about God, it doesn't matter where we find ourselves, we'll be fine, we'll be comfortable, and we'll be able to serve him as Paul has commanded us to. And that particular doctrine that you should kind of have in your mind when you're thinking through this, through this, through this truth is the fact that God's providence governs all. God's providence is involved in all of our situations and involved in all of our lives. Everything that, we, that happens to us, our state, our situation is from the distribution of divine providence. Providence has governed everything that has happened to us. He's determined the fact that all of us here live in the UK. All of us in, within the UK live within a certain area, whether it's East London, North London, etc., all that kind of stuff. The Lord's providence orders our steps. He orders what nationality we're from, whether it's Nigerian or Ghanaian or, or Montserrat or Caribbean or Asian, whatever it might be. The Lord's providence 
it comes from the Lord's providence. Nothing is accidental. He, the Lord's providence goes in, into even more detail as to whether, you know, Brother A needs glasses or Brother B needs, uh, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, uh, repair for uh, teeth or something. You know, and whether Brother uh, Sister C needs, uh, you know, a certain friendship circle and whether another sister needs a certain uh, person in their friendship circle that attends to that particular need. God's providence affects all of our lives. God's providence is involved in even the taste buds that we have, the kind of music that we like to enjoy. It's involved in every single aspect of our lives. God's providence is involved in the wealthy. Some people will have generational wealth. Their grandkids, grandkids, grandkids are fine from what the person is doing now. For another person, providence dictates to them that, listen, month to month, we're looking at paycheck to paycheck. We're looking at all of our, all of our expenditures. We're budgetizing. We're itemizing. We're making sure that we don't overspend. That's God's providence. God's providence is involved in both. You exist because God wanted you to exist. And you are who you are. You are what you are. You are how you are because of God's providence. Nothing happens outside of that control. And so, therefore, in order to, to live within the purpose or the condition you are in, you first need to know that your position is not random. If, you're, if you find yourself in a situation where you think, I don't know if I can live, I don't know if I can serve Christ here, well, you're there for a purpose. Christ has placed you there providentially. You're there for a purpose, so you can serve Christ there. Christ has placed, has, has, has placed you there on purpose. Our conditions might be quite painful. They might be quite sorrowful. They might not be ideal. You might look at you know, people your age and you think, why are we on such different paths? You know, we've had the same opportunities, we've had the same time, we've had the same exposures, and yet they seem to be succeeding so much more. If only I was in their situation, I'd be able to do so much. Serve Christ where you are. Where you are is not by, it's not random. Your life has purpose, you matter. You have reason. You have reason, yes. Even in your difficulty, there is reason. There is reason, there is purpose. You are dear and you are precious to him. The Lord has placed you there intentionally. And we might not know why we've been placed there. We just need to understand that we've been placed there intentionally. If God was to reveal, okay, this is why I have placed you in this particular situation, and this is why you are here, if our mind was able to actually comprehend it and to fathom it, do you know what will happen? We will agree. We'll be like, you know what, God, you're right. This is actually where I should be. But since we can't fathom it, we just have to trust that where we are right now is the correct situation, is the correct place for us to be. And we have to remember that serving Christ is not only about serving Christ when you're comfortable, when you're serving Christ in a place where you feel like things are good. You know, my new job has landed, finances are under control, uh, promotion is on, the, is on the rise, family is, is good, everyone is healthy and all that kind of stuff. Oh, how can I serve God? Okay, maybe the Lord wants me to be hospitable, need to open up my house and bring people in, in and, and my finances are good, so let me be looking for opportunities to bless people. Even when things are not good, there is work to be done. There is ways to serve. And, and we shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't forget that. We may not be able to see it as clearly. We may not be able to see our duties as clearly. But it doesn't blot out the fact that there is still responsibility. Our dark days doesn't remove duty. Our bad days doesn't remove obligations to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to realize that every situation, whether it's calm, whether it's rough, whether it's dark, whether it's bright, has been given to us providentially by God. It's been given to us providentially and correctly by God. And so we come back to, to verse 17. Having already driven home that point of wherever you are now is actually with reason. 
Okay, so where I am now, how do I actually live in a way where I'm pleasing, where I'm serving God? Like I said, the context of this particular chapter is, is marriage. Uh, he opens up, uh, we won't go into, into a full detailed uh, Bible study of this particular chapter, but he opens up with sexual relations within marriage, you know, do, do we take off time to, to have sex or not have sex, all that kind of stuff. He addresses that, then he talks about instructions to the married and the unbeliever. Then he talks about, he ends the chapter, chapter 7, we didn't read that part, but he ends the chapter with um, advice for singleness to, uh, to, to single people. But sandwich, sandwich in the section that we, that we read, or the section that we're going to spend most of our time in, um, which is uh, which is from verse 17 to verse 20 to verse 24, where he's talking about living in a man, live where you've been called. In that section, he doesn't really address marriage anymore. He's not really talking about marriage. Like he takes a break. There's a different topic within the chapter. And now he's talking about things like circumcision and, 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 and bond serving and living free and all that kind of stuff. And he, said, and he uses this as your example. Wherever you find yourself, live faithfully there. Be prepared to serve the Lord faithfully from there. He's given us the principle, serve the Lord. And now he's honing in on some examples. And like I said, the first example is that of circumcision. He says, okay, let's, let's talk about how we're going to serve the Lord faithfully. If when you came to know Jesus Christ, so if when you were a Christian, when at a point when you became a Christian, you were circumcised, don't now start wearying yourself about, oh my goodness, I need to remove the marks of what happened because I was a Jew. I didn't really understand that. I didn't actually know that this doesn't have any bearing on my soul and all that kind of stuff. What have I done? No, don't weary yourself about that. Just serve the Lord faithfully, circumcised. And if the reverse is true, if the reverse is true, you came to Jesus Christ uncircumcised, don't start looking for the nearest appointment. Oh my goodness, I need to get circumcised. The law says that I need to be circumcised. Circumcision is true. Just don't weary yourself about that. Don't worry yourself about being circumcised or uncircumcised. He says in verse 19 and verse 20, for, not, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but keeping the commandments of God. Keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain faithful in the condition he has been placed. Keeping the commandments of God. So there we kind of see one of our first pointers as to how we can actually serve the Lord faithfully, irregardless of the situation that we're in. Keeping the commandments of God obedience. The life of the Christian who wants to live with purpose should be marked with obedience. It's not about trying to change their external factors and their external situations. Your life should be marked with obedience. That's what matters. That's what matters. Obedience. Many of us, when we, we, we become Christians, we, we, we place the wrong emphasis we, or we place too much of an emphasis, so to speak, on grace. And all of a sudden, our responsibility should be obedient. Ah, there's grace, there's grace, there's grace. Your responsibility to be obedient is, is pushed to the side. Obedience is important. Obedience is important. Can the Christian life be lived without any binding obligation to the law of God? No, absolutely not. Think absolutely not. Can you ima imagine an unmarried couple before, they, before, they, they, before they're married, they're now praying fervently to the Lord, Lord, show us your will if we should be living together or not. Or, or, or a businessman is praying fervently and saying, Lord, I'm about to close this deal, but let me know if you don't, if you, I want to lie, please, Lord, let me bless it if it's your will. No, the Christian life is marked with obedience. If you know what you should be doing, you do it. If you know that you shouldn't be doing something and it's clearly revealed in scriptures, lying is, is, is wrong, sex before marriage is wrong, you don't do it. You push it off. 
Because, why? Because a Christian life is marked with obedience. Christian life is marked with obedience. Obedience sits at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. If there's no obedience in your heart, then it's probably evidence of the fact that you're not a Christian in the first place. It sits at the heart of the Christian's life. Obedience is an indicator that Christ looks at himself. Christ looks at your obedience to see if you really love him. He says in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The way Jesus Christ determines if you love him is by how well you are keeping his, how well you are being obedient. Do you love me? Do you keep my commandments? Genuine love for Jesus Christ will always, it will always manifest itself in obedience. So for the way the Christian lives his life faithfully in whatever situation he's in, is to be obedient. Is to be obedient. Obedience is even part of regeneration. It's even part of regeneration. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, 27 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. That's the, that's, that, that's, that's the Bible there explaining what the, the, the heart transplant is, as it were. That happens when we, when we come to Jesus Christ. Our stony heart, rebellious heart, that doesn't obey. That doesn't, nothing, 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 nothing. It doesn't respond to anything. Our stony heart is removed and we're given a new heart of flesh. And all of a sudden, this one has the ability to obey. This one has the ability to delight in the laws of God. Obedience is at the heart of our regeneration. If obedience is not, if obedience is not present in your life, it's probably a clear indicator that you're living life in the wrong purpose. You're living life in the wrong way. It's not whether or not you've been able to accomplish a certain goal in life. It's not whether you're, you're, it's January 29th or whatever today's day is, and you've still got your New Year's reflections and resolutions and setting all that kind of stuff, and I haven't fallen off the belt this year. I'm still, still just as determined. That's not what is determining whether you're living a purpose, a purposeful life. Are you living obediently? Are you living obediently? In whatever situation you find yourself, ensure that you're walking obediently to God. Secondly, and we see our we see a, a, another, another indicator, another example that Paul uses to help us understand whether we should be, how we should be living. He uses another example. So the first example was around circumcision. Don't concern yourself about trying to get circumcised or uncircumcised. Then the second example is around being a bond servant. He says in verse 19, I'll read it from the Bible, from verse 19, sorry, verse uh, 21 actually, sorry. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. He who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is now free in the Lord. And he who was free when he was called is now a bondservant of Christ. What does he mean? Let's look at this verse carefully together because I think there's something really, really significant about what Paul says here and the way and the manner in which he says it. He says, if you came to Jesus Christ and you were a slave, if you came when you so when you when you, when you became a Christian, you were a slave, now you are a freed man of the Lord. And the word he uses there is Lord. You are a free man of the Lord. When we think of the word Lord, we think of master. But he's saying that you're free to the Lord. You're free to a master. Then on the reverse, he says, if you were free when you came to the Lord, 
if you are free when you came to the Lord, or when you, when you became a Christian, you're now a bond servant to Christ. You're now a servant to Christ. And Christ, of course, is the title that was given to Jesus, the Messiah, the one who came to deliver, the one who came to uproot us from bondage. We are now slaves to a savior, or we're now free to a master. Can you see the sort of conflation that's happening there? Can you see the sort of overlapping? We're free, but we have a new master. So don't worry about whether you're a slave or not, or don't worry about whether you're, you, you need to exercise your, 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 your freedom or that kind of stuff. You're free now in Jesus Christ, and he's your master. And if the reverse is true, if you're, if you're a bond servant, you're a bond servant to the one who delivers all anyways. You're a servant to him. He correlates our liberation with our duty to be a slave to Jesus Christ. That's what the, the Christian walk, that's what the Christian should be concerned with. Am I walking in a manner where I'm enjoying the freedom that I now have in Jesus Christ? But also, sort of intertwined with that, where I know that I'm a slave of him as well. Am I free and am I a slave to Jesus Christ? Am I free and am I a slave to Jesus Christ? Let's look at those things one by one. So let's look at our freedom, let's look at our liberty. Let's look at our freedom that we now have now that we've become Christians um, and the Lord has saved us. And as you probably sort of detected, you can see that there's sort of a, of a tension. You can see there's a, there's a, there's a, a slight contradiction. Am I free or am I in bondage? Am I, am I free or, or am I subject to Jesus Christ? Which is it? Which is it? You know, and if, if, if some of our atheist friends were, were, were really serious about trying to, you know, attack the, the, the faith about how it contradicts itself and all that kind of stuff, they'll probably, they should be bringing our attention to things like this. Are you free or are you, are you a slave in Jesus Christ? But they'll instead talk about obscure historical facts and that's besides the point. But there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tension here. There's a tension. We have liberty in Jesus Christ. We now have freedom now that we've become Christians. Freedom from what? Freedom from what was the problem before? We're free from the law. We're free from the law, of course. And you're probably now asking, but didn't you just finish talking about how we should be obedient and we should obey the law and all that kind of stuff? But our relationship to the law has changed. There's a, there's, a sh- there's a shift in our dynamic, in our understanding, and in our relationship to the law. Before, the law was unto death. The law was powerless to produce true freedom. The law was how God revealed himself to his people. And he said, listen, this is how salvation is to be attained. But nobody could obtain the law. Nobody could fulfill the law. Nobody could obey the law perfectly. Anyone who came into contact with the law left guilty because they couldn't fulfill it. However, Jesus has died and has now fulfilled the commands and the demands of the law. You see, freedom of Christ, freedom in Christ has been won for us, and that now allows us and it frees us to follow Jesus Christ, to follow him willingly, to serve Jesus Christ in a way that pleases him and in a way that brings glory to Jesus Christ. Prior to freedom, all we had was the law. Jesus comes and he saves us. Now we have Jesus Christ, and we can freely serve him because he's obtained that which we couldn't. He's obtained that which we couldn't. The law had one purpose, and that was to define us, our sin, to show us what sin looks like, and to really show us our dependence on, on the Savior. We need someone to save us. And Jesus Christ has now secured our salvation, and now we have the freedom to serve God with grace. We now have the freedom to serve God and, and, to, and to love him in a new relationship filled with grace and fellowship and warmth. Not cowering under the demands of the law. Not afraid of the condemnation that awaits us because we can't obey it perfectly. We live and we serve God in the trueness of grace. And Paul's 
it, as he's writing this, he's slightly shifting us to understanding what he's about to say next about being a bond servant as well. You're free to serve God. You're free to serve God as a slave. You're free to serve God as a slave. True freedom meaning, means that we willingly choose to live holy lives. True freedom means that we willingly choose to live as slaves of Jesus Christ. By show of hands, I, 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 well, if you want to show me your hand, please do. But were, were any of you forced to become a Christian? Do you remember a time where someone put a gun to your head and it was accept Christ or else? Or remember the, 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 the last holy or good deed that you did? Did anyone force you to do that? Were you compelled? Were you bribed? When Jesus came knocking on the door of your heart, did he bribe you? Did he blackmail you? You chose to accept him. And again, we have that tension. Is it, is it free will? Is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it God's sovereignty? The tension exists, but you can still confidently say, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as a freedom. We didn't have that freedom before prior to the law. But now Paul wants to remind us of the fact that, listen, forget about your situation. Enjoy the fact that you now have freedom to serve Jesus Christ. You have the, choo- you have the freedom to choose him, to serve him, to walk with him, to love him, to obey him. That's the freedom that you have. And that, like I said, it leads swiftly into what Paul wants us to consider next. In the sense that we are slaves to Jesus Christ. At the moment of your conversion, we transfer our allegiance from our old master, which was sin, and we now have a new master, which is Jesus Christ. And Paul explains. He explains in Romans uh, chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, verse 16. I'll read it for you. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul is basically saying, listen, don't worry yourself about who your earthly master is. Don't worry yourself about who I need to, I need to be fighting for my freedom for. By the way, a quick segue, he did say, listen, if you have the opportunity to avail yourself and to have freedom, take it. But that's not your primary goal as a Christian. It's not now I'm a Christian, I must be free from anybody, I must be free from everyone. Find opportunity to serve faithfully as a slave. But your big priority is to walk as a slave of Jesus Christ. And like I said here, if you're not a slave of Jesus Christ, man is not your issue. It's not who am I I serving as a man. Sin is your issue. If you choose not to walk as a slave of Jesus Christ, your master is by default sin. Your master is by default sin. But he says, when you became a Christian, when the Lord came and lavished his grace upon you, when he came and saved you, when he came and won you with his sacrifice, he took you from that slave bondage that you was in under sin. And he now brought you into a new relationship with him where he is now your master. Jesus is your master. And now you can live as a slave of Jesus Christ. There is an exchange of masters. There is a relinquishing of the old bondage of sin and of judgment and of penalty and of hell. And there is now a new loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, if you want to live a God-given, purposeful life, live as a slave of Christ. Live as a slave of Christ. Don't be concerned about who your earthly master is. Don't be concerned about trying to revolutionize the outside world. Be concerned about trying to to live in a manner that is is, is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so to conclude, how do I know that I'm living a purposeful life? God has given me assignment and assignment. How do I know I'm going to pass it? How do I know I'm doing, doing a good job? How do I know I'm, I'm, I'm walking on the right path? Paul says, live obediently. Enjoy the freedom that you have to serve Jesus Christ and live as a slave 
through him. To walk in a manner that is pleasing to God and as, a, and as close to your heavenly father as possible. Your mind cannot be focused on what is on here below. Your mind must be focused on what is internal. Is my heart near God? Am I loving serving Jesus Christ? Am I walking obediently? Ask yourself, when is the last time I, 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 I silenced my conscience? When is the last time I asked for the Lord to strengthen my obedience? When is the last time I asked for the Lord to strengthen me as a slave? When is the last time I asked for the Lord to make me delightful for the opportunity and the privilege to be able to serve as a faithful servant in the house of God? When is the last time I thank the Lord for the freedom that I now have to do good? When is the last time I thank the Lord for the freedom that I have from the law that, 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 that was banishing me to hell and was only showing me of my sin? When is the last time you thank the Lord for that? Serve Christ whether you're employed or unemployed. That doesn't matter. Learn to serve Jesus Christ wherever you are. Learn to serve Christ whether you're poor or you're rich. That doesn't matter. Learn to serve Christ whether you're sick or you're healthy. Serve Christ and serve him well wherever you are. Amen.